Life is a series of circles and cycles, phrases and stages. These are your experiences that teach you the lessons of life. You can either ignore them or embrace them. Welcome to the James Cooley Show. It's your life. James is a motivational speaker, author, military veteran, and founder of the J.C. Cooley Foundation. James is here to equip you to strive for greatness and overcome adversity. It's time to get equipped today for the challenges of tomorrow. Now, here's the host of It's Your Life, James Cooley. Hello, welcome to It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley, and uh, just like, you know, my, my favorite saying is, wow, because everything is a wow moment to me especially when we are getting a a lesson and we understand things that we might have not known that much about. And this is a wild moment for me because I had these two guests on my show uh, a few months back and I actually had an understanding of what organ donation or donors all that was i did not have a a, a clue but i've been thinking about that ever since and i could not wait to get them on the new show and and so uh you know we're going to talk about the gift that keeps on giving life and a a lot of times we think that um we are going to live forever, which I want to, you want to, everybody want to. We don't think of, of certain things that could occur uh, because uh, human nature, we don't always think that way. But things happen in our lives, and we have to always not just think about ourselves, but we have to think about others, and we have to think about the world. Now, how can we continue to give life when we might not be around today we're going to find out how we can do that and it's a topic that most people don't want to talk about it's like oh no 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 but we have to have a conversation because it's important to love others not just yourself got to love yourself but also think out the box so I got two fantastic guests that's going to help us navigate through that. You know, I got Bobby Howard, you know, a former NFL uh, player running back, you know, that that ran the ball against my Cowboys. You know, I don't like anybody running against the ball against my Cowboys, you know, but, uh, you know. And uh, even though I got on uh, uh, Oakland Raiders, I got on Doki Williams. I know he's probably listening to the show right now. But uh, he is going to tell you about his experience and some of the things that uh, he is doing in the gift of giving. And I got Marion Schultz, who's got a fantastic story. And, you know, both of these guys together run the, the, the uh, international donation program. And she is in Chicago. Well, she was in Chicago, <laughs> you know, because you, you know how Chicago is kind of get cold up there. But she jumped on a plane and, and headed to Tampa, Florida. So she's she's up there just uh, enjoying herself. But she took time out to join us tonight to talk about this 
absolutely fantastic topic that we all need to have an understanding about. So I, I, before I even start, I'm, I'm just going to, before we even get to them, I just want them to say hello and, you know, or, uh, to the fans. Uh, Bobby, how you doing? Good evening. Good evening, Mr. James Cooley. I am doing wonderful. Thank you so much for uh, having us back on the show. You know, we had a good time back in September, I believe it was. And uh, now we're back with you, and um, we're just so excited. Uh, you know, I do uh, want to thank you for keeping me up very late. Uh, this is normally my bedtime, but, uh, you know, sometimes when some folks call, you know, you got to answer the door. And you call, we answer the door. Hey, thank you so much. Marilyn, Marilyn, how are you doing? I am doing well, James and Michelle. Again, thank you so much for having us today because this topic is, you know, near and dear to minds and bodies, hearts. Um, collectively, we've been doing this for about 40 years. Um, when you think about organ and tissue donation, um, Bobby um, is a recipient. I am a donor wife. And so um, we work with communities of color to really talk about something that's so critical to our health, and that is, you know, not being able to participate in the organ and tissue donation process at the rate that we should. But here we stand today, both of us being in this industry for so long and having direct stories and impact so that people can understand that we do have experiences and that people of color are impacted by donation. But Bobby has a great story of being a recipient. I have an amazing story of being a donor wife. And so together, you know, we run two different programs. Bobby's in Atlanta. I'm in Chicago. But I, I am traveling to Tampa for some warm weather today because I have my vaccine so I can travel. <laughs> wow. So delighted you know, to be here today. I can't wait to get to How you doing, Michelle? Doing good, doing good. Um, it's been a really busy day for me. <laughs> really busy. Had <laughs> to take time out to kind of just sit back and just just really relax because the day goes by so fast, and you don't want to just always rush a day. You know, mm -hmm. it's like take that time to really enjoy it. Yeah, Michelle is in, uh, uh, she decided not to come to California with me this time, so uh, she is in uh, in uh, Fort Worth, Dallas-Fort Worth, and uh, again, I'm in sunny California. I'm, I'm here. I, I decided to stay home uh, tonight, and I'm, I'm back in studio tomorrow, but I'm in studio right now, you know, and um, I tell you, a lot of things that have uh, been going on, I'm talking about like today and yesterday, uh, I guess the biggest news that was going on today is uh, Megan and Harry. Uh, as it relate to, uh, you know, uh, the Sussets and the Roar family. And, you know, we all have problems in our family, regardless of what the situation is. But I believe that sometimes when we talk about it uh, and let it be known, you might have people in your family that did not know how you, f how you felt about certain things. And uh, that's been a very interesting story today. Uh, to, uh, uh, listening to that and watching the reaction of the world, and I hope some good come out of that, and I believe it will be, you know. So, but I am so excited about getting to the show, Michelle. Can you tell uh, our listeners about the purpose of the show today? Yes, 
The purpose of the show is learning how organ and tissue donations work, the facts and myths about organ and tissue donations, and the importance for black, brown, and all communities to become further educated about organ donation and transplantation. You know, so um, or can you um, introduce our first guest? Yes, I would love to. Miss Marion Shuck. Marion L. Shuck is Vice President of Governmental and External Relations at Gifts of Hope Organ and Tissue Donor Network, as well as serving as the president of the Association for Multicultural Affairs and Transplantation. In both roles, Marion specializes in building key partnerships and strengthening existing relationships with communities, business leaders, legislatures, hospitals, faith-based organizations, and industry partners. Her most important role is advocating for donor families and marginalized communities while increasing opportunities for organ and tissue donation through education and outreach. The James Cooley Show, It's Your Life, proudly presents Marion Shuck. Marion, just like I said, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Thank Mar- you. Excited we, to be here. We, we talked a little bit about that, but can you tell us uh, a little bit more about you and where you grew up at? Oh, sure. I am a product of Chicago, grew up in Chicago, was born at Cook County, now Stroger Hospital. I'm the oldest of five, and uh, as I mentioned earlier, I am a donor wife. I did lose my husband two years ago, and I have a beautiful daughter who is graduating from NYU University on May 19th, so very excited to launch her into her next chapter. Um, But uh, organ tissue donation is you know, I've worked in the field for the past 12 years and um, have always been talking the talk about donation um, from a grassroots perspective. But now as a donor wife, I walk the walk. I understand what the donor families that I am in charge of overseeing their journey and how they've changed tragedy to triumph and how they've created, um, how we support them creating lasting legacies for their loved ones. You know, can you uh, can you tell us a little bit more about the gift of hope, uh, organ and tissue sure. donors, and your your role as the vice president of governmental mm-hmm. or external relations? So, absolutely. So, Bobby and I work for organ procurement organizations. There are fifty seven in the United States um, who are regionalized. I happen to work for the organ procurement organization in Chicago. Um, that is responsible for the donation service area that is three quarters of Illinois and two counties in Northwest Indiana. And so we are charged with um, coordinating the deceased donation process um, as well as working with hospitals and transplant centers to coordinate that process. But we also are responsible for taking care of donor families Um, through their tragic circumstance, but we're also responsible for grassroots education, disseminating the message about organ and tissue donation. As Michelle mentioned earlier, dispelling myths and misconceptions about donation uh, and um, really, you know, trying to create a positive culture for donation. The thing about donation is that it starts in the community without people experiencing tragic circumstances and participating in the donation process, donation does not happen. But donation does occur 
in the hospital. That's the only place it can occur, in a sterile environment in a hospital. And so we have to be able to bridge that, you know, community, the clinical, to make donation happen. You know, uh, uh, my listening audience, um, I did not give you the number in the beginning. It's one eight 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 three four four eleven seventy. Again, that's one eight 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 three four four eleven seventy. You know, uh, this just like well, what Marion just said. This is an extremely important topic. So we're gonna take a station break, but we're gonna come back and continue to talk with Marion, and we're gonna bring on Bobby. But please call in, become part of the conversation. It's your life. I'm James Cooley. There's more stories of greatness to help you overcome adversity. Coming up on It's Your Life with James Cooley. The J.C. Cooley Foundation is a nonprofit organization that was started in October of 2014. The J.C. Cooley Foundation continues to strive to expand its programs and offerings to the youth, young adults, and citizens of our great communities nationwide and overseas. We hope that you'll be able to take part in one or more of the many exciting events that we're offering this year and experience firsthand the pride we take in supporting our cause. It's our mission to equip the youth of today for the challenges of tomorrow. And we rely heavily on the generosity of individuals and business owners for support. Without the assistance of community-minded individuals just like you, we wouldn't be able to serve our youth each year. We ask that you make a commitment to support our annual appeal by making a cash donation. This year's goal is $50,000. Your generosity will assist us in making a difference in the lives of the youth in our community. You can give online at CooleyFoundation.org. Remember that every donation makes a difference regardless of size. The J.C. Cooley Foundation thanks you in advance for your contribution. Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet. The true life coming of age story by James J.C. Cooley. Using humor, wit, and engaging storytelling, James paints a picture about his arrival in a rural deep south town and realization that life would never be the same. Cooley lays out his struggle to adjust from city life to country life and back again, sharing his hard-earned lessons to educate, encourage, and enlighten our next generation of leaders and heroes. Get your copy of Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet by James J.C. Cooley available on Amazon and everywhere books are sold. It's time to dream big, think big, and be big. It's time for more It's Your Life. Here's your host, James Cooley. Welcome back to It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley, and uh, just like I told you, uh, we all need to be educated in this topic. And uh, if you want to be part of the conversation, again, 1-888-344-1170. Again, that's 1-888-344-1170. Marion, how do people donate organs and tissues? Can you describe that or go into that? Sure. The the organ donation process happens. I think I mentioned earlier that uh, someone has to experience a tragic circumstance, either the result of a traumatic brain injury, a cardiac episode, an innoxious injury, something as simple as someone um, has an asthma attack or they have an allergy, and it all leads to uh, brain death. And with that, someone is in the hospital, um, they go to a hospital where doctors work to try to save their lives, and in the result, you know, if the life is no longer sustainable, we do a lot of testing to make sure before we even have the conversation about organ, eye, and tissue donation. And with that process, um, what happens is someone from one of our organizations, Miser Bobby, will 
you know, come into the room, have a conversation with them two ways. One, we'll have a conversation if the loved one is registered to be a donor, then we'll help the family understand what the process of donation is, what they can expect, and really how we're going to help um, honor their loved one's wish to be an organ and tissue donor. Um, the second way is if the loved one is not registered, um, then we have to give the family enough information to make an informed decision about donation, and we walk them through the process, and we're really asking them in the most terrible day of their lives, which is probably the worst day of their lives, that they found out that their loved one's life is no longer sustainable. We ask them to be selfless. We ask them to be generous and try to save someone else's life when their loved one's life is no longer sustainable. And so throughout that process, that is how organ donation happens. We have a conversation. Um, we can determine um, through all types of testing. Um, the testing is very um, thorough to be able to make sure that the life is no longer sustainable. And then we start the process of uh, procurement. We talk to the families. We talk to um, you know, which is United Network for Organ Sharing, about possible matches. And then we do the, 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 the thing that we do best is try to place the organs um, with someone to give someone a second chance at life. You mentioned the whole organ donation process. Is this process different in different states, um, the United States or other countries? Um, how, how does that go? Um, it's not different in the United States. As I mentioned earlier, there are 57 organ procurement organizations. We all follow the rules and the guidelines set in place by the CMS, which is the Center for Medicaid and Medicare. We're all um, accredited. We're federally uh, funded, federally mandated, rather. And we have to follow all the credentialing pro processes. We are highly regulated in terms of being able to follow all the rules, we get accredited every few years, um, and we have to follow strict guidelines. But for the United States, all the processes are the same. I can't speak to uh, international organ procurement. Um, I think we, there are some similarities with Canada, but I'm not really sure all the policies for international Europe and other countries' body. Who is responsible for making donation decisions? Um, I'm talking about um, the You decision. mean decisions for whether someone can be a donor or not? Yes. Yeah, again, um, when someone presents at a hospital, they've experienced a tragic circumstance. Um, the doctor that is taking care of them is responsible for navigating and managing all of their care and treatment. That's called the hospital or they may present at a, at a trauma center. And so those physicians are responsible for uh, managing the care for that patient. If they determine, um, as I said, through, you know, uh, brain death, that they have progressed to brain death, that there's no activity or they've had a cardiac episode, that their life is no longer sustainable. They do all the testing first. And then if that occurs and, you know, they let the family know that there's just no, pos no possible way for this person to sustain life, then those doctors make the decision. 
Now, Bodies and Minds organizations, we have nothing to do with that. We only get called to the hospital after an impending death has been determined, and then they call our organization. So we only get called on impending death. We're not at the hospital like vultures waiting to take over somebody's organs. We don't follow ambulance. We're not ambulance chasers. We don't follow people from the scene of crimes or from their their bed. You know, we only get called if the death is no longer, if the life is no longer sustainable, and it is progressing to unviability. What are some of the myth and misconceptions about uh, donations? I'm talking religion, health care, mistrust, organ, illegal organ donations, et cetera. What, what are some of the misconceptions? Well, I think Bobby and I have seen it all. We've heard it all. Um, the biggest myth, I think, out there is a couple. Um, the big ones I'll talk about is religion. Most people will say my religion does not support organ and tissue donation. My body has to be preserved whole, and everything that I came here with, God wants me to take it back with him. But, you know, that's a myth, because if you go to Revelation, it is said that God is going to give you a new body, and that if you can give, you should help sustain a life. And all, excuse me, major religions support that. That's why we have something that we call National Donor Sabbath where we support all major religions supporting organ, eye, and tissue donations. The biggest one for people of color, especially black people, is the Tuskegee experiment, the, the, the um, Henrietta Lacks, where black people have been mistreated by the healthcare uh, community, and therefore they have a healthy and righteous mistrust. Um, and I learned that word uh, yesterday um, from Vice President Kamala Harris when she said they have a righteous mistrust of the healthcare community, and so they should. But I will say this, medical technology has improved in the 50 to 60 years that all of these things have happened, and it is going to take time. But as medical technology improves the opportunities for organ, eye, and tissue donation, I do believe that people of color should participate in the process. The biggest one is that if I am in an accident and um, the EMTs come to, you know, get me from the accident, if they see that I'm an organ donor, they're going to let me die and then transport me to the hospital so somebody rich and white can get my organ. Um, it's a big myth because here, you know, I tell people all the time, if somebody, um, Bobby and I get this question a lot, you know, what about all these, you know, black folks that are shot and killed? Why aren't they organ donors? You know, there should be enough organs to go around. Here's the deal. If someone happens to be a gunshot victim and they die on the street or they die at home and they're deceased when the EMTs get there, they cannot be an organ donor. They can't. Um, organ donation can only happen in a hospital in a sterile environment. Now, if EMTs get there and you have a pulse and they can resuscitate you and you're still breathing when you get to the hospital, then there's an opportunity for you to be an organ donor if you don't um, make it while you're at the hospital. A lot of people will say they take out my driver's license. Well, if anybody has ever been in an accident, which I have not, 
um, you do know that they don't go scurrying through your baggage to find your license. They're really there to try to save your life and to stabilize you. And then they stabilize you and get you to the hospital. Well, you know, I'm not a proponent of watching TV and all these medical shows, but even on the medical shows, they don't ask you your name. They don't ask you if you're an organ donor. They get you into the hospital. They triage you, get you to where you're going, and then they may talk about something after they've talked to your loved ones. But nobody is going around looking at driver's license to see whether you're an organ and tissue donor. And all four of us on this phone walking down the street, no one would be able to tell that we are registered organ donors. You wow. can't you can't tell just by looking at me that I'm a registered organ donor. So you can't say just because I'm black I'm an organ donor. What if I wasn't? You know, uh, this is so interesting. We're gonna take a station break, but we're gonna come back and bring Bobby Howard on, and then we're gonna bring you back, Marion. I can't wait to get both of you guys on at the same time. But uh, it's your life. I'm James Cooley. There's more stories of greatness to help you overcome adversity. Coming up on It's Your Life with James Cooley. The J.C. Cooley Foundation continues to strive to expand its programs and offerings to the youth, young adults, and citizens of our great communities nationwide and overseas. It's our mission to equip the youth of today for the challenges of tomorrow. We ask that you make a commitment to support our annual appeal by making a cash donation. Your generosity will assist us in making a difference in the lives of the youth in our community. You can give online at CooleyFoundation.org. The J.C. Cooley Foundation thanks you in advance for your contribution. Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet. The true life coming of age story by James J.C. Cooley. Using humor, wit, and engaging storytelling, James paints a picture about his arrival in a rural deep south town and realization that life would never be the same. Cooley lays out his struggle to adjust from city life to country life and back again, sharing his hard-earned lessons to educate, encourage, and enlighten our next generation of leaders and heroes. Get your copy of Country Boy, City Boy, a journey that ain't over yet by James J.C. Cooley available on Amazon and everywhere books are sold. It's time to dream big, think big, and be big. It's time for more It's Your Life. Here's your host, James Cooley. Welcome back to It's Your Life. And wow, God, I'm getting, uh, uh, I'm I'm learning more uh, than I learned the first time. And, you know, so uh, if you want to join in on the conversation again, that's one 888 Again, that's one 888 Michelle, let's, let's, let's uh, bring on our next guest. Yes, our next guest is Mr. Bobby Howard. After suffering severe kidney disease and receiving a kidney transplant, Mr. Howard has dedicated his life to helping others who face life-threatening health challenges. As director of LifeLink of Georgia's Multicultural Donation Education Program, he continues to lead collaborative efforts with local, national coalitions, and community partners to spread the important message of organ donation. He serves on the boards of Donate Life America, NFLPA former player board of directors, and Metro Atlanta Concerned Black Clergy. He is president of the Atlanta chapter NFL Former Plays Association and chair of the National Multicultural Action Group. Bobby has faithfully served in the following capacities, president of the Association for Multicultural Affairs and Transplantation, president of the Georgia Transplant Foundation, 
a board member of the United Network of Organ Sharing and board member of 100 Black Men of DeKalb County. The James Cooley Show, It's Your Life, proudly welcomes Mr. Bobby Howard. Welcome back to the show, Bobby. Welcome back. I'm glad to have you back. Bobby, can you tell our listening audience uh, about yourself, where you grew up, and also your role as director of LifeLink of Georgia's Multicultural Donation Education Program? Uh, Yes, Michelle. Um, I am so grateful, first of all, to be invited to have this opportunity uh, to share the good news about donation and transplantation. Um, I'm originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I am the youngest of 11. And, um, you know, I lost both my parents at a very early age. You know, my dad died when I was 10. My mom died when I was 13. So life for me wasn't as grand as it was for a lot of folks. And, um, you know, had some struggles and and some challenges growing up. Um, you know, very fortunate uh, uh, older sister of mine, you know, she took me and she had three kids of her own. It still was challenging. Um, you know, I was able to get out um, of, of those situations through athletics where I played all the, you name the sport, I played it, but I concentrated on, you know, of course, baseball, football, and basketball in high school. Um, received a scholarship to Indiana University. I was drafted into the NFL by the Philadelphia Eagles and therefore played with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And my last year was with the Green Bay Packers. And, you know, I, I must say, you know, going through all those challenges and, and, you know, one thing I didn't mention, my mother had a kidney transplant back in 1977. And so it's sort of, I, I say, a, a kindred spirit, a, a connection that I have with my mom that I have a kidney transplant as well because there was 10 before me. And uh, none of them have experienced uh, going through what I've gone through and what my mother go- what my mother went through. So I think you know that's our link and our will be our forever link. Even though I didn't have her long on this earth, you know she's always with me, and we do have that thing in common. So it's truly been a, a magnificent ride since I've got my transplant and working for LifeLink of Georgia has truly been a blessing. You know, we don't get this opportunity in life that often to really say that we give back. And we really, we really have a contribution to society and really helping people. My role um, at LifeLink of Georgia is very similar to Marion with a few uh, deviations to that, but it's to really make an effort um, into the African-American and Hispanic communities to empower and encourage those to become organ and tissue donors. You know, we suffer mightily and greatly from comorbidities of high blood pressure, obesity, heart disease, all those comorbidities and factors that lead to poor health in our community. When it leads to poor health in our community, it also leads to those people in need of life-saving organ transplants. So I truly believe that because we have so many of our people who are waiting, we must be able to put into the system so we can take out of the system. If you don't put anything into the bank, you can't go and withdraw anything. So we need to put more organs into the bank that come from our community and that's the important role that Marion and I play, even though we're in different parts of the country. You know, we collaborate on a lot of things. We talk about what she's doing. I talk about what I'm doing. We try to take ideas from each other because we have to make this thing work for all of us. And, and what we do, it's truly not about us. It's not about us. We can go some other places and, and do great financially, but we chose this. And, and let me rephrase that. We didn't chose this. It chose us. And we stood up to the, to the test. Because we were chosen. When you're chosen and your number is called, I truly believe you must stand up. Well, that's, that's yes, that's very in, inspiring and definitely informative. 
Can you tell me what the challenges your organization faces regarding organ donations, if any? Well, there's always challenges, no matter what, whatever you do, there's challenges. And our greater challenge that we have is that we have lack of donors that come from the black and brown communities. So in those efforts, it's always challenging because there's always so many obstacles. You know, as Marion mentioned earlier, the, the, the path of the mistrust of healthcare professionals. You have our religious beliefs. You have our own, own things that we hear within our community. You know, being in the South, you know, I, I look at it as, as, as generational, generational curses that we put on uh, upon our families. And so those are very challenging aspects because years ago, there wasn't a lot of people who looked like us who were receiving transplants. Now, as you step forward in 2021, we're, we're everywhere. I've received and, you know, my mother received years ago when people were everywhere. So we have to really make an effort, not only as professionals, but people in the community of building those relationships and, and, and building those trust systems that we have other folks who are not actually in the community of transplantation and donation to get on board and spread the good news. It's not always about the death side of it. It's about giving life, and that's what we try to propel, and that's what we try to prepare for everyone, is that when your life is over, you have the opportunity to give life to someone else. That is, that's, a, that's a true statement because, um, you know, unfortunately, when you know, we all pass on, you really can't take it with you. So um, it's good to, you know, put yourself on that list. Bobby, question, what is the most common questions you receive from potential organ donors? Well, the, as Marion stated earlier, the most common question I get a lot is, is that if I get into an accident, will healthcare professionals and EMT, will they do everything to save my life once they find that I'm an organ donor? And, you know, we, we know, and, and because we watch a lot of television, a lot of things are, are dramatized on television, we believe a lot of those things. I believe if you see it enough, you're going to believe it. So when those things are portrayed on television, we have to change and erase the mindset and help people understand that when you see things on television, if it's not a documentary, it's for your entertainment purposes only. They try to make it as true as possible. It's for entertainment, so they stretch the truth. They put some things in there because they want you to be entertained. We're not here to entertain. We're here to talk about the true facts. And when we give you the true facts, we want you to truly listen to our facts and then take those facts and then digest them, let it marinate within you and your family, then you have to make the best decisions for you and your family. We're not here to change your mind. We're not here to convince you. We're here to provide you with all the true facts and information so you can make the best decisions for you and your family. You know, uh, Bobby, um, what um, organs and tissues are most needed? Well, in, in, in the black and brown community, kidneys are the number one organ that you need all over the country, but especially in our community. You know, 30% of the African-American uh, population on the transplant waiting list is made up by African-Americans. And we only make up about 13% of this country uh, of, of that we live in. So there is a dire need and a great need that we get involved into this situation when we look at our overall health, how can we do better? How can we change the narrative? How can we do things differently than what we used to do? You know, being here in the South and growing up in the North, I remember when I first got here, 
some of the food choices that I was like, oh, my goodness, I've never seen some of this food, you know, in my life. But now being here in the South, I'm trying to change that narrative. And I'll be the first to tell you, I love soul food, but I can't eat it every day. I can't make a living on that. You know, I talk to a lot of pastors, and I'm always routinely asking, why do we always have to serve fried chicken when we give food away at church? Why can't we change it and give baked chicken? Why can't we give turkey? And I'm a firm believer that when food is free, people will eat it. But if you keep giving them the same thing, they're going to believe that's what they're supposed to eat. So instead of telling people, we have to teach people. and We have to show people how that's done. That's what Marion and I do. We show people how to understand and take the information, digest it, so you can make the best decision for your family because so many times families have loved ones who are waiting, and they say no to donations, and that could be their loved one's kidney, heart, liver, whatever it may be. And, and we just continue to say no. But that's truly the fact because we're not educated enough. We don't take the time to take this, take this information very seriously. And, you know, I started doing this 26 years ago, and I remember there were about 34,000 people on the transplant waiting list back then. Now we're over 110,000 in this country. So as you see, 20, 20 years ago, that number has, you know, it's grown so much. So it, it's a dire need. It's here, and I believe that donation and transplantation is here to stay. You know, prior to uh, your bout with kidney disease, did you ever consider um, being a organ or tissue donor? Yes. Um, I was always an organ donor. You know, I remember, you know, uh, when I was in high school, someone coming to my high school and talking to us about it. And it was just routine that we just signed up. We thought they came to our high school and told us, hey, when you get to drive lights, you need to be an organ donor. They didn't give us as much education as we do now, but I do remember that. And we just signed up. It was the natural thing to do. And with my mother going through it and when I heard it, and, you know, I don't remember a whole lot, you know, when my mother was going through it and, you know, didn't know where the kidney came from. I just knew she had to transplant. You know, unfortunately, back then, the medications and things weren't where they are today. So she only lived two, you know, had uh, extended her life two years. But signing up, that was just routine. So when I went through my situation and got this job and started doing it, I was truly baffled by the number of folks who um, were very reluctant to become organ and tissue donors and to have it on their driver's license. But doing my research and studying, um, I learned more about, you know, some of the things about the Tuskegee, Henrietta Lacks, and it made sense to me. So I had to try to change that narrative so people have a clear understanding is that those things have happened. They are true. How are we going to move forward? How are we going to move forward? Because we have to start making better decisions because what happened years ago in the Marion State when she was speaking is that uh, medication and, and theories and all those things, we've come a long way since those things have happened. We have a right to be fearful, but we also have a right to have the best care that is available to us. Wow. I mean, all of this is fantastic information. Uh, we got a call on the phone, but we're going to wait till we get back from the station break and, and bring her in. It's your life. I'm James Cooley. We're going to come back and bring both Bobby and Marion on at the same time. 
Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet, The True Life Coming of Age Story by James J.C. Cooley. Using humor, wit, and engaging storytelling, James paints a picture about his arrival in a rural deep south town and realization that life would never be the same. Cooley lays out his struggle to adjust from city life to country life and back again, sharing his hard-earned lessons to educate, encourage, and enlighten our next generation of leaders and heroes. Get your copy of Country Boy, City Boy, A Journey That Ain't Over Yet by James J.C. Cooley, available on Amazon and everywhere books are sold. It's time to dream big, think big, and be big. It's time for more It's Your Life. Here's your host, James Cooley. Welcome back to It's Your Life. I'm James Cooley, and wow, uh, I was just engulfed in uh, how with uh, Bobby, how he was explaining that. But we got a call, call on the line. We got uh, Lynn from Marietta. Lynn, are you still there? Yes, I'm still here. Thank you so much. Bobby, hello. How are you? Hey, Miss Lynn McRae. <laughs> Good to talk to you. So I had a question with regards to um, some of the things you were talking about. And actually, you mentioned it just a moment ago, and that was about Henrietta Lacks and the research that was done to Skeegee experiment. And so I know that the way I grew up, you know, I heard a lot of the negative the negative things that are going on with uh, studying black um, the the way black bodies work and things like that. So how, what kind of things can I do to talk to my family and, and people like that just on a, you know, layman's terms level to, to help them kind of understand about organ donation and things like that. What kind of things that can I do to move forward in that, that, uh, that conversation? That is an excellent question. You know, as we matriculate through this whole process, and you look at how do we provide just some simple explanations to organ donation and why it's important. Number one, because we suffer from so many comorbidities, high blood pressure, diabetes, and those type of things, we must start talking to our family about having a healthier lifestyle. Once we get through that point about having a healthier lifestyle, we want to prepare our bodies so that we can truly give to those who are in need. You know, Marion mentioned earlier a little bit about, about the Bible and Revelation. You know, I'm going to come in a different different way from that Bible, is that when you look at John 3.16, where for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and you, and you take that is that if you truly love the world and if you truly believe in Christ and how we are here and why we were here, then you look at that verse and you say, well, if he could do that for me, why can't I do that for my fellow man? And when you explain things in, in layman's term about just giving back, you know, we give a lot of material things. You know, we give clothing, we give dollars, we give cars, we give houses. But all those things are materialistic. So if we start thinking about and talking about how can we give life when our life is over, we can leave a lasting legacy behind. And when we do that, you know, I often share with my family when, 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 when they leave this earth, I don't want the, the, the material things. I want them to give life to others because that's what's going to last. And, and that's what people cherish because when you give me material things, eventually they're going to go away. But when you give me life, I cherish life. And I cherish and I value what you give me. I cherish and value the gift. So I hold on to it. So when talking to our families, we must put it truly in layman's terms about how do we truly feel about life and how do we truly feel about our fellow man. I do have one follow-up question about that, and I agree. I agree definitely with that. And, and 
hopefully with the the um, having a healthier lifestyles, that's going to help us be able to receive organ donation a little bit better. But it kind of leads me to another question, and there's a disparate number of people um, of color who are waiting for organ don- donation, and and they are lower on the totem pole because they can't afford the, the organ donation, the cost of organ donation or receiving an organ. So how, it, what kind of resources are being put towards helping people of color, you know, I guess bring, bring that number up for people who are actually receiving those organs? Um, that, that's that's further, a great question. When, when, you, when you talk about um, health disparities and inequities, um, those are things that not only are out there in healthcare, but they're in our everyday lives. Um, when you talk about the disparities, when we talk about health disparities, it leads back to us being, I don't want to say lower on the list because I look at the list as not as a chronological num- uh, names of people on a list. Look at it as a pool of names, a pool of names. And we look at take kidneys, for, for example, Kidneys are one of the organs and probably the only organ that, that we do sort of like a genetic matching, so to speak. And in most cases, that organ kidney is best when it comes from someone with your same ethnic, or, uh, ethnic profile. So simply put, because we don't put into the system enough, our people suffer and wait a lot longer. And, and quickly, like here in Georgia, the average wait time for an African-American for a kidney is 10 to 12 years. That's average because there's so many African-Americans who are waiting for kidneys alone. And but when, so when we don't put enough into it, we wait a lot longer. Not saying that we can't receive an organ from someone who's not with our, uh, in our same ethnic profile, but it makes the best decision in most cases when it does come from someone in your profile. So it, it's not that we wait longer because we're not giving on the rate that we suffer. And it's so dis, uh, disproportionately out there is that we just have to do a better job in making better decisions in how we live our life. And then we have those who want to do it and donate, but they're not healthy enough to do it. We have so many families who say yes to donation and they want to do it. Then we start looking at different things and they're not healthy enough. So everything really ties back to us having a different lifestyle, a healthier lifestyle, changing our eating habits, exercising so we can live longer and healthy life, number one, so we're not placed on the waiting list. Then number two, when our life is over, it's our organs were healthy enough to pass on and give to someone else. Okay. Wow, that was fantastic. Michelle, you got a question? Yes, this question is for both Marion and Bobby. What advice would you give to those waiting for an organ or tissue transplant? Um, Marion, you want to start first? Sure. What what I would say is what Bobby's been saying all along. It's really about lifestyle, and it's really about if you if you want an organ. In, in my mind, it's like looking for a job. Looking for a job, you put the investment in. You you identify the organizations that you want to work for. Um, waiting for an organ. You want to make sure that you are connected to the right transplant center, that you have the right nephrologist, that you are doing everything that you can to be transplant ready. You know, there are a lot of tests that go into um, someone being ready and prepared to be transplant ready. Have you done everything that they ask you to do? 
Have you, are you maintaining your weight? If you have to lose weight, have you lost the weight? Um, if you have to start eating better, are you eating better? Are you exercising? What are the things that you need to do? Because if it was me waiting for a kidney and somebody said, you need a kidney and you don't have to go on dialysis yet, but you need a kidney, I would do everything in my power to make sure that not only that, the one thing we didn't talk about was living donations. I would ask everybody in my family, you know, um, I would advocate for myself. And if my family loves me um, and I'm cherished in my family, then I would ask them for an organ. I would ask them to donate to me. And so that's what I would just say advocate for yourself, you know, and, and, and treat kidney disease and stage um, organ failure as a job. How do I get an organ? How do I have a transplant that will be the cure for me to be able to have a second chance at life? And you got to be ready. Bobby? Yes. I just want to add on a little bit to to what Marion stated, but I'm going to come from a a different side of it. I think when we are diagnosed, so many people take that as a death wish. I encourage encourage each and every one, um, if you are waiting, live your life. The reality is not everyone on a transplant waiting list is going to receive a transplant. So you have to live your life. You have to continue on um, in your life and, and take each day as if it's your last day. You have to enjoy it. That's what I realized, and that's what I did. And uh, Marion stated it uh, so eloquently is that you have to be your own advocate. You know, I tell a lot of folks when they ask me, Bobby, you know, I, I need a kidney transplant. You know, what can people do to help me? I said, hey. If someone asks you how can they help you, tell them, give me one of those kidneys. That's the best help you can. So if you're not advocating for yourself, no one else is going to advocate for you. So you have to be your biggest cheerleader. You have to be your own salesman, but you have to live your life. You have to live your life to the fullest regardless of what diagnosis that you get. So when you're living your life, it doesn't it, it gives you that chance to have freedom and not be kind of uh, chained to the fence to say, oh, I can't, I, I'm waiting for a kidney transplant, I can't do anything. You can do a lot of things. That's not what you want to do. You can do a lot of things. And I think when you prepare yourself and you do all the things that Marion stated but live your life, you know, good things happen. Good things truly do happen. Good things happen. You know, I'll tell you, we're coming down to the last minute of the show, but I want uh, you guys to be able to tell our listening audience how they can get in touch with you. Uh, we'll mm-hmm. start with you, Marion. Oh, absolutely. So um, as we mentioned at the earlier part of the show, I am the Vice President of Governmental and External Affairs at Gift of Hope. I'm located in Chicago. Um, for those who you know, are in the Chicagoland area, definitely can find me at Gift of Hope. I'm Shuck at giftofhope.org. You can go to our website at giftofhope.org. But here's the deal. There are 57 OPOs. If you are in need of any type of organ, get in contact with your transplant centers and get in contact with your organ procurement organization. See how you can volunteer. See how we can share your story. You know, because we're always looking for stories because we use those short stories to have shared experiences so people can see that black people and Hispanic people and Muslim people and Asian people do receive transplants. We're down to the last few seconds. I want to thank you guys for taking time. We need more time next time because this is such an important topic. So I want to thank my, my two guests, uh, 
Bobby Howard and Marion Schultz uh, for Thanks taking for the time to come on the show. I want to thank Michelle. I want to thank my James listening Cooley. audience. And I tell you- to learn more about James, how you can support the show, or become a guest, visit CooleyFoundation.org. Join James weekdays at this same time for more motivation and inspiration to help you become equipped today for the challenges of tomorrow. This has been the James Cooley Show. It's your life where you learn how to dream big, think big, and be big at everything that you do. It's Your Life is sponsored by James J.C. Cooley.